Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to worship. Good morning. Good morning to you who are joining us online, or whatever time of day it may be. When you join us online, we're glad that we can connect and gather as God's people for worship. Worship changes our lives. Worship challenges our lives. Let's remember together today, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Here the ushers are passing connection pads. We ask everyone to leave your name and other information as you care to. And then at home or online, if you would, uh, through our website, contact us. Let us know you're worshiping with us. And especially if this is your first time to connect, you've uh, come across us perhaps on YouTube or Facebook. We are glad you have, and we hope that you'll let us know that you've connected and see if we can connect with you. So McFarlandUMC.org will uh, help you do that. Let us know how we can pray for you, pray with you. Um, you can do that with the care cards here in the, in the room, or you can do that also on the front page of that website. And if you're here in the house and it's your first time with us, we are glad you, you've come, and we hope that you'll help us connect. We have welcome or connect cards in the pew rack in front of you, and you can complete that and leave it with me or one of us at the back as you exit today. And we have a gift bag for you. Thank you for being a part of our congregation today. Today at 4 p.m. in the atrium, we have an event called Love Goes to School. Uh, kickoff of the new school year, this event will have activities for kids from toddlers to fifth grade, including crafts and story time and snacks, a simple service project. And uh, so bring your grandchildren, bring your children, um, bring your neighbors and your neighbor's children. Um, come and be a part of that today. And next week we have a similar kind of event, play date at the Play Pit uh, on East Main here in Norman next Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. You can see more about all of these on our website. Kaylee Williamson, our new director of children's choirs and music, um, is also working towards some sort of early childhood um, musical gathering. And so um, I saw that on Facebook, and I'm eager to find out more about that. Today, uh, well, I know most that's going on here, but that's something new. So. <laughs> Um, today is Back to School Blessing Day, and so we're doing that as part of our worship. It's also the second Sunday of our Love Is series, which includes the Love Examines uh, class that I'm teaching about Bible and sexuality, and we had our second session in Sunday school. We'll repeat that tomorrow at noon, and uh, that's ongoing. If you want to know more about that, it's not too late to be a part of that. We invite you to connect with us in that. So as we gather today, let's be people who are open and ready and willing to encounter and experience the amazing presence of God. Would you stand to sing our first hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, number 139.
affirmation of faith printed in the bulletin and on the screen. So let us join together in professing the story of God's love as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. rainy day. Um, the children can now come forward for the message, but also anyone that we have that's in education anywhere. If you're a teacher, if you're an administrator, if you're the school nurse, if you're in elementary school, um, do we have a school nurse? <laughs> Good, come join us. <laughs> um, elementary school, uh, high school, college, graduate school, please come up and join us. Great. Well, I'm so happy that you are all here, and we have more that are joining us. Has anyone started school yet? Uh, good. All right. I think that's just about every hand that went up. Okay, I've got another question for you, and here's how I want you to answer it. If it's good, give me a thumbs up. Not so good. Thumbs down. Yeah, if it was so-so, you can do this. And if it was a little of everything... You can just give me one of these, all right? And here's the question. How are you feeling about the start of a brand new school year? Up, down, up, up, up. Oh, that's wonderful. I've got thumbs up from everybody. We didn't have that the first time around. Good. Well, going back to school invites, oh, come on over here. Come on over. You want to sit up here? There's plenty of room up here for you. Going back to school invites some great big feelings, doesn't it? Um, whether you're starting in a new school, or you're going to school for the first time, or you're just simply in the same school, sometimes we're nervous, sometimes we're a little scared, sometimes we can't wait to get there and we're overjoyed, and sometimes we have all those feelings. It's a constant mix, and that's okay. However we feel is good. But the really good news for us is that God goes with us. God loves you, and he goes with you. So whether it's the first time or you've been in school for years and years and years, God is right there with you. The start of a new school um, for this year, we want to give you a backpack tag. This tag says, blessed to be a blessing. 
you've received so many blessings, so many people who love you and care about you, but also God's given you good minds and hearts. You can think, you can create, you can learn, you can discover, you can grow. All those things are wonderful, no matter what age we are. And so in this new year, all those blessings also go with you. You are blessed, so whether you're going into school or out into the world, into life, you can take those blessings and share those with others, and you will be a blessing to them. And so we're going to give you this backpack tag in just a minute, but Pastor Rockford is going to have a blessing first. Yeah, it's good to see all of you today, and all of you who are online and your students and faculty, administrators, etc., we include you in this prayer as well. Let's pray. Thank you, O oh God, for your spirit at work in the world and in our lives and in education. We pray that your spirit would shine a light upon the teaching and the learning and all those who make it happen, the support staff and administration. We pray, O oh God, that you would uh, help us all to learn and grow, to become all that you've intended for us to become. And so guide us along the way. Um, help us to be the people who show up and listen and show up and teach and give ourselves to the process of learning so that we might grow and mature and be good neighbors and good citizens and that we might be good and faithful followers of the way of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. You know, it uh, was March of 2020, the last time we had children in the sanctuary down front for some sort of a children's sermon. And I am excited that we are bringing them back. It reminds us, I think that is a, round of, a reason for a round of applause. It, it reminds us that we are truly an intergenerational church that there is a place for everybody, no matter what your age. And as I think about this morning, as we enter into our time of prayer, blessed to be a blessing, no matter where you are in life, no matter your age, your stage, wherever you find yourself, God is calling all of us to be a blessing. And I think this morning we can be reminded of that, and then we can be sent out into the world. So as I enter into a time of prayer, the joyous noise of children resettling themselves is a blessing. Let us pray. Thank you, O holy God, for reminding us once again today of the blessing to be a blessing. The blessing to be somebody who loves and protects and cares for everybody. For those opportunities that you open up to us to share our lives with another person. For those people in our community who serve through education, through teaching, through administrating, through serving, through loving, through caring. For those who are on the lookout for the marginalized, those who live on the margins, who struggle day to day, who reach out to them and bless them and bring them back into the fold. For us as a congregation, constantly being called to change lives and change the world. Words that are challenging, Words that should motivate us. Words that create opportunities for us here and around the world to make a difference. We know, oh God, that even people in our midst in this place this morning and those worshiping online, that there are times when we just have needs. 
when there's an area in our life where we are lacking. And you are the God who comes and fills those gaps in our lives. You do it through the work of the Holy Spirit, and you do it through the work of the hands and the feet of the people around us. And so, oh God, this morning, I pray that we can continue to be a blessing to this community and to this world, and that every single one of us will hear that call, respond to that call, and then do that call. And now we get to join together, all of us, we get to join together and use the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing hymn 547, O Church of God United, 547.
be seated. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. Hear now these words. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh God, we're grateful that in the words of Jesus, you no longer call us servants, but friends. We find such joy in the bond we share, and we find our calling in the bridges that we build. Help us now as we think together around these words of Scripture. Help us to know more and deeper what it is that we believe your love is friendly. In the name and the way of Jesus, amen. I don't know that it's still there, but outside of Stanton, Texas, there at least has been a billboard welcoming people to the town. And the billboard says, 3,000 friendly people and a few old soreheads. I know that one time there was one of those signs uh, outside of Rush Springs, Oklahoma. And I'm sure there are no old soreheads in Norman. As far as I know, we don't have a sign admitting to that. Friends, friendship, love is friendly. Dorothy and Verla were next-door neighbors and became friends. They lived in small-town Oklahoma, and in the late 50s and early 60s, they were raising children, and Dorothy was involved in her business, and Verla was involved in her farming business. And they shared a lot of life. Kindnesses were shared. They shared through struggles. They shared life together when Dorothy's husband had a heart attack, when her son went off to war. And sometimes in the evening when they were cooking, because the two grocery stores were closed in the evening, they would realize they were out of something, sugar or flour or some spice, and so run next door to say, could I borrow a cup of so-and-so? And if no one was next door, they'd just borrow anyway. It was that kind of time and place in much of America, friends, neighbors, helping each other. Their love was friendly. So in the scripture for this series, 1 Corinthians 13, we find in parts of verse 4 and parts of verse 5 these, this statement, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love is mutually beneficial, denies selfish greed, denies that get-from-the-other impulse, denies self-promotion before and over the interests of others. It denies the arrogant self-absorption that results in rudeness or offensiveness. 
that results in wounding and subverting relationships. Love honors relationships and avoids acting in ways that break them. So if we step into the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11, that text we heard read, we encounter Jesus before that teaching about prayer, Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer as we call it. And then Jesus sets up this hypothetical episode, a story about three people, a friend who has two friends. And he says, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to that friend at midnight and say to that person, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because another friend has come to my house and I want to feed them. It's the, it's the custom. We, we, we need to provide hospitality. And he says, don't bother me. The doors are locked. The kids are in bed. I've been asleep. All the evening routines are over. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. But that's been debated. Is that translation, because of his persistence, accurate? Well, it can be translated that way, but of course there's a language underneath the English language, the original language, and it can also be translated in another way and has been, and perhaps is even more uh, true to the grammar and the storyline. Maybe it should be translated because of the sleeping friend's prospect of being put to shame, he gets up and gives the friend the three loaves of bread. It can be translated that way, and let's just take it that way, since it can go either way. And we see that in that ancient culture there existed a very deep uh, community-held value of hospitality for anyone visiting in your home. The culture was largely defined by customs and mores of honor and shame. Some things were honorable and some things were shameful, and it was certainly honorable to provide hospitality to travelers coming to your home, and I suppose especially a friend who's come to your home to take care of weary travelers. And not to do that was shameful. So the already sleeping friend, according to New Testament scholar Alan Johnson, knew that if he did not get up, then his requesting friend would probably go to the next house and say, you know, I couldn't get bread there, but could you give me some bread? And he, perhaps he knew that the next day the whole community would know and he would not get up out of his bed and give this person bread. All these kinds of things could have been going on in the heads of those to whom Jesus is telling this parable. So he finds himself compelled to be kind and accommodating, perhaps after he has, um, you know, awakened a little bit more. Some people think, of course, this friend is supposed to be like, kind of like God and you go knock on the door and you keep knocking and praying and knocking and praying until finally God does what you say you want God to do. Well, that's pushing it a little far, I think. Um, and if we take it this way, perhaps it just points to the kind of distance that we sometimes feel between us and God. Like we can't, just can't quite get in touch. Nevertheless, once this person is awake enough to think about it, to reflect on it, he would be glad that he got up and did this. Not only does he avoid being put to shame because he did not help with the hospitality moray, the hospitality um, custom and value, but he upholds his own honor, he upholds the honor of the community, 
and he upholds the abiding value of hospitality for those who are tired, hungry, needing rest. He acts in a way to build social capital, the social capital of the community by participating in a way that maintains and enriches the value of mutual kindness. Social capital is, of course, the network of relationships among people who live and work in a particular society, enabling that society to function effectively. And there are many technical definitions of social capital by sociologists. Today I'm referring to the, the goodwill, the gracious, reciprocal work and relating of everyone pulling together for the common good. And friendliness is at the core of making such cooperation happen. In the text, even though the friend is a friend and he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't get up and do it because he is a friend, he does get up and do it. And so the action is a friendly action, even though he didn't feel friendly. Friendliness is at the core of making cooperation happen. It takes friendliness that refuses to engage in envy and jealousy and refuses to betray or to exploit for self-pleasure or self-promotion. In short, such friendliness refuses to be rude, refuses to offend not only friends but friendships and friendship networks. Reed Cohen and I were best childhood friends. We happened also to be cousins. And we were together in our childhood days almost daily it seemed like. In the summer we played baseball together. I think he played more than I did. But anyway, we played baseball together, you know, at the school baseball diamond when it was unoccupied with other kids. We went fishing together. We rode bicycles together. We went to school together. We, after school, I might go home with him or go to his dad's lumber and paint supply place and, and his dad would put us to work and, or he would go home with me and similar things might happen on the farm. We would go to family holiday gatherings together we did all kinds of things together. And one day we were walking home from somewhere and Reed said, wait a minute, I want to show you something. Well, he had a couple of older brothers, like something like 10 years older, and they really liked to harass him, you know, as a younger brother. And <clears throat> they had come up with this idea somewhere that you could give a person a charley horse. You know what a charley horse is? That terrible cramp, a muscle spasm that sends you screaming into the night. Well, <clears throat> that if you just take your knuckle and punch someone in the, like in the thigh muscle, you could give them a charley horse. In the 1890s, there was an old horse named Charlie who was used in the old Chicago White Sox ballpark to pull a, a roller across the field. And the horse was old and his muscles would get so stiff and tight and cramp up that he could hardly walk. And so that's when players and spectators began to call a cramp a charley horse. Well, he had learned this, and he just punched me in the thigh. And it was painful. And I think I fell to the ground. And he ran off, uncharacteristic to our great friendship. And I got up shortly and took off after him. And a couple of blocks later, I caught him, and I jumped on top of him. And we went to the ground on the sidewalk next to the old uh, pharmacy drugstore also fountain, fountain place and beer joint, all in one. <clears throat> and we wrestled and screamed at each other, all hot and sweaty, and about that time his grandfather, Ed, walked out of the side of that building and stopped us from fighting. And we, you know, we were spewing out this and that and we walked off, we were separated, we went our own ways. 
I felt betrayed, set up, used for his humor. Now we got over it very quickly, went on about our mischief, you know, in the, in the town and those kinds of things. But that's the kind of chaos and pain that can drain away all the friendship capital when the person or persons you trust suddenly causes you pain. Such betrayal happens too often among family members, in social and work networks, and sometimes even in the life of the church. Our lives, our families, our faith lives, our society and our world always needs and today may desperately need for a, for a love that is friendly profoundly friendly. We need a whole lot of befriending, of creating and fostering and nurturing friendships. According to sociologist Robert Putnam, remember he wrote uh, years ago, Bowling Alone, the Collapse and Revival of American Community. He's updated that uh, recently to include social media kinds of things. He says there are two distinguishable kinds of social capital, uh, two kinds of building sustainable, enriching communities of mutual benefit. There is bridging social capital that reaches out and includes others, and there's bonding social capital, those networks that are inward-looking and tend to reinforce the exclusive identities and the homogeneity of the group. And so you have country clubs and fraternal organizations, etc. Even churches sometimes are more about bonding than bridging. Bridging networks could be things like, um, well, like some decades ago, the, the civil rights movement, reaching across, bridging, including other people. Crossing the aisle, popular Baptist uh, preacher Andy Stanley um, not too long ago was all over social media, went to the Georgia legislature to have the prayer be chaplain for the day and he did a lot more than pray. <laughs> he kind of preached and, and um, told them basically you ought to come across the aisle and stop making enemies of each other and be friends. It's that kind of thing, that bridging social capital. Both are forms of befriending. As families and as church, we need to befriend each other intentionally. To, too often in family, we, we just take each other for granted. We love and we care, but sometimes we fail to nurture the bonding simply by failing to be kind. The kind of kindness that sets aside all envy and self-promotion and certainly all betrayal and rude offensiveness and seeks to actively befriend our spouse or our child or our parent or our, our brother-in-law or our sister-in-law or mother-in-law you know, fill in the blank. In the church, we need to befriend those who think differently and we need to work on our internal bonding. The scriptures claim that in Christ, by the Spirit, we are woven together with spiritual and relational tendons and ligaments and muscles and bones like a body. And we dare not be giving a charley horse to this body to that family body. We're called to work on bonding, befriending. We do that by hearing what the other needs and seeking to, to provide or to see that that is provided. Too often, I think, in family, even in church, we give the other person what we like to get instead of what that person needs or likes to get. So it may be that we like cinnamon raisin cookies. And so we buy some of those and take them to a friend. Here, 
and it's like, I don't like cinnamon raisin cookies. I like maple pecan cookies. But we like to give people what we like to get instead of listening and learning what it is in their life that they need, really need. Giving someone else that, like that, is a case not of friendly love, but of subtle, but nevertheless true envy, self-love, self-promotion that can be actually, well, rude. We're also called to work on bridging, that bridging befriending, to expand our relationships and our networks. And with back-to-school students entering new schools or classes and teachers starting new positions, etc. There's plenty of opportunity for bridging, for including new people in friendships. And while challenging, of course, or maybe I should say exciting, of course, that is the way love works. It builds bridges. Strangers become friends. Love is friendly. Love actively befriends, actively bridges the gaps. And in the church, we call that bridging evangelism. Widening the fellowship of God's grace by sharing good news. Good news that is profoundly kind, useful, beneficial. The root meaning of the biblical word for kindness is indeed useful. For good news to be good news people must find it useful, helpful, life-changing, healing, wholeness-making, kind in that sense. And when we hear Jesus preaching his first sermon in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4 at Nazareth, and he stands up and reads from the prophet Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. The poor there are all those things, those who can't see a way out of where they are, those who are oppressed where they are, those who are captive in what they are, whether it's economic poverty or other kinds of poverty. And so Jesus is saying, I came to bring good news that would be good news to people in particular kinds of situations. Jesus comes as a bridging befriender saying he has come to set the oppressed free, to release the captive, to give sight to a people so they can see the way out. And that's useful good news. That's kind good news. It's good news that does something for them. And we have good news. The good news that in following Jesus Christ, a person's life can find a new organizing center. Our frequent language for that, they can find their Lord and Savior. They can find a new organizing center, their lives centered now in God, in Christ. Sometimes our internal bondedness argues against our external bridging. And we also need to be set free from self-promotion, what the Scripture calls envy and jealousy and boastfulness and arrogance and ending in rudeness. Good news is found ultimately in the kind and holy love of God made known in Jesus. And the question perhaps is, are we willing to wake up from whatever slumber, routine, or resistance that causes us to say to a family member or a church member or someone in the community, perhaps a new student at school, go away, I'm too busy. Go away. I'm already set in my situation. 
In January, I think maybe it was 2007, our daughter was just beginning a scholarship internship in New York City at a, a printmaking studio out on Long Island. And um, I went to a theology seminar at Trinity Episcopal Church in Manhattan at the corner of Wall Street and Broadway. And so spent a little time with her as well. And on Sunday, um, you know, playing the part of dad, I thought it would be good to go to church. And so we went to church at a place there on Long Island. And afterwards, I also thought it would be good to introduce ourselves to the pastor since I was going to go back to Oklahoma and leave my mature young woman, little daughter, uh, in New York City. And so he gave us a card and gave us his phone number. I thought that was really cool too. And so I went home and some weeks later, our daughter called late at night, very sick. Food poisoning or stomach virus, something going on. And I went into daddy mode pretty quickly. And I found that phone number. And it was late, late. It might have been midnight. And um, I thought, well, that's a pastor, and I'm a pastor, and this guy will understand. So I called, and I could tell he was asleep. And he said, what? And I explained who I was and situation. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't do that. So, you know, um, not all pastors are that way, and I don't know what I might have done uh, out of the blue like that, but apparently there was no bridge there. There was no bonding there. We had not yet befriended. In our busy, rushing world, church, families, spouses, parents, in this world, let's take time to secure the bonds with those we know and love. And let's also take time to procure the bridges of invitation and welcome and befriending with those who are strangers and seekers and visitors and different, with the hungry and the harassed, the physically hungry, the psychologically hungry, the spiritually hungry, the politically harassed, the economically harassed with people of different politics and persuasions, let's be distinctively Jesus-like friendly. Love is friendly. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your saving friendship, love, grace that we find so arresting in Jesus Christ. And may it be true for others around us so that there's good news to go around and help us to be people not only bonded together but actively building bridges. Forgive us for all the ways we fall short of that. We want to be kind, and we never want to be rude, offensive. Help us, we pray, in the name and the way of Jesus. Amen. If you um, want to inquire about what it means to be a Christian disciple, to follow the way of Jesus, uh, to be connected to a church, uh, if you just have questions about God and faith, etc., or life, um, we pastors are always available to, uh, to connect, and so you can connect with us at the back, or you can walk down the front during this uh, last hymn, or you can connect with us through email, etc. Let's stand to sing our last hymn together.
There's someone in your circles of acquaintances and friends that needs some befriending, that needs some good news. I hope you'll find, connect, and build that bridge. And now may the God of all hope fill you with such joy and peace in believing that hope may abound in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.